term is pluralism, and it's our culture's adoption of your God and my God are the same. We just call them something different, or this idea that somehow all of our religions get us to the same place, and you get there your way, but I get there my way, but we're all going to the same place. And all due respect to people who have that mindset, it actually shows a lack of true understanding of each faith. Actually, if you dig into your sacred text and my sacred text, they conflict. And so you can't say, well, it's all the same. We're all going the same. But I would just encourage you to dig in deeper to the sacred texts to see that actually once you go a little layer down, that can't be true. God is either one or he is not. God either had a son or he did not. And so world religions disagree on this. So we can't really say it's all the same. Welcome back to Study with Friends. We've spent several weeks in the Old Testament learning about the covenantal themes of land, descendants, and special relationship, and how they apply to us today. Currently, we're studying these themes through the former prophets. If you've missed any part of the series or would like the homework, head to our website, studywithfriends.org, and search Old Testament. If you're on the go without a radio near, you can stream us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, and you can now check us out on YouTube. Let's continue our study. I just know that in my humanity, I'm not going to get it all right. I know that. Like, I know Christ came and what he did on the cross is because I can't do it all. But by the word all ringing in my head, it keeps me accountable to continually checking, to scanning my life and saying, is there anything out of place? Again, in Psalm 139, it says, search me and know me and find anything in me that is not pleasing to you. And that's a reiteration of what, what you're saying. I Sometimes I walk through my house and I, I look for objects or things that are not pleasing to God. In fact, I will tell you that my daughter Gianna said, what about this piece of art? This is a Greek uh, or Roman God. It's, it's Diana. And I was like, she's like, is that affirm is that affirming something different than the preeminence of God I was like okay Gianna (laughs) I said well to me to me and so I can say this is a piece of art Mm -hmm. but to me this is reminding me as a she Mm -hmm. to be a warrior and put on the full armor of God so I examined it and I made sure that all things were Right. And so she asked me a fair question. It's a fair question. It also fit in that space really well. So I was like, it does. Come on, man. (laughs) It was really more about the art. But I also did choose it because we gather here as women. And it reminds me, you know, that we all are to put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Like, that's actually a really great um, image of that in the shield of faith. And so to me, I repurposed Diana uh, and I made her me. Right. Um, But. But these are the ways that we should be going through our home. Is there a book on my shelf that's not glorifying to you? Is there an image in my house that's not glorifying to you? And it's almost, it's less, um, I mean, yes, it should convict us when we're not getting it right, but he's faithful to help us get it right. But more than that, it also helps me just have like that kind of, not checklist, because I hate a checklist. I'm not a legalist either, but kind of a reminder of don't just, just, don't, don't be lazy about it. Don't just do some, right. do all. Mm-hmm. And so that means go through your house, go through your day mm-hmm. as you lay down and pray at night and think, was there any place that I was less than I should have been, God? Show me all. Right. 
So for me, yes, it's convicting, but in some ways it's also supports me. As right, I it's a challenge to give him a whole heart. You, you want to present yourself as an offering, but yeah. I always yeah. think of that like threefold, as in like he tells us in the the Shema is the greatest commandment, or it's like it's within the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, and it says like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and then the Gospels later add strength. Um, but then Jesus also said, well, he says through Paul in Ephesians, is it Ephesians, or am I, I'm like starting to lose my train of thought, oh my gosh. He says later that, I'm literally losing my train of thought. You oh my gosh. The, I had it threefold, in my brain. L- serve the, we were talking about the all. I serve know, the I Lord your the God passage. with all. Your mind, <laughs> mind soul. Oh, oh, not Ephesians. I was thinking um, in Romans, Romans 12 too, that one, I have the study with friends shirt that has it on it and people yes. are always complimenting it and I'm always oh. telling them to go to the website. Oh. But it says, um, it's kind of like Jesus says that or the Deuteronomy says that, but then um, Romans has the teaching like, it speaks continually of being transformed. And so it's like those two things. Um, But then I also think of like the all thing of like what's in my house, what's in my brain that might not be. My, one of my best friends, Jenna, has this saying where she defines idolatry as anything of, anything that you put higher than God, but also anything that's equal footing Mm. to God. And I was like, oh my God, put the brakes on. And so that, I like think of that all the time is like, xyz abc is this like higher than god or is this like equal footing is it even on equal footing yeah <gasps> and so i that like is convicting bella yeah, that's right? good i've told jenna that she should write for study with friends well at the very least she should yeah we're gonna get jenna a blog let's get jenna a blog Recruiting. let's get jenna a blog <laughs> yeah but she says that and i think of that all the time and like or those three different things it's like he asks us to do everything we possibly can but he also admits that like well not admits he knows he also acknowledges knows that like we won't and so there's this thing of like allow ourselves to be transformed by the holy spirit but then also like there's the gauge of watching yourself like is it equal or higher wow that's so good well and really this is the already not yet of our salvation (laughs) that we that we are saved but continue to be saved from our own humanity and our own even in your when you were just talking, it, 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 going back to this Deuteronomy and all of these reminders that God consistently gives us, because at one point in Kings, they actually lose the text. So these reminders like, oh, come back and write it all the time. They lose it and they have to confirm it with this one prophet. But he, he has all of these strengths for us in place. Descendants land. He gives us all these things. That, like you have friends that say to you, I mean, that's amazing that you have friends that say to you, and he says, but don't marry. And this is specifically why don't be unequally yoked. Don't marry, you know, letting these kings marry outside of their country, outside of their faith, and because they're going to bring idols in. And it then we start to forget. We start to replace. We start to, I can't remember the word you said the earlier. The affections. The affections. But we start to, where we're at, where we know that there's oh, a God, Oh, syncretism. Right? Because they know. <laughs> they do. They know that there's God. There's not a, they don't say, no, we don't believe in this one. They just go, well, this one's okay, too. Also, and we've added in this yes. one. And, you know, being reminded of all of these things and people and strength in the Lord that are around us, I think that's why he reminds us of these things over and over again and teaching your descendants because then they can look to you and then you can look back to them at one point and be reminded um, of all of his word and everything. So I just, it's just such a comforting story. It, it's a, I, I am, I'm a huge, um, I'm very passionate about apologetics. <laughs> and one of the things that 
what you're saying reminds me of is um, the term is pluralism and it's our culture's adoption of your God and my God are the same. We just call them something different or this idea that somehow all of our religions get us to the same place and you get there your way, but I get there my way, but we're all going to the same place. And that's this same concept played out in our current culture, which by the way, is n- none of that is true. Okay. And by the way, uh, it's, it, it's, it's actually all do all due respect to people who have that mindset it actually shows um, a lack of true understanding of each faith because each, uh, especially if you just take, you know, the world religions, they actually have conflicting truth claims. So you can't say that this is this, I'm doing the same thing you're doing because actually if you dig into your uh, sacred text and my sacred text, they conflict. And so you can't say, well, it's all the same. We're all going the same. It's not really how it works. It's sort of a shallow spirituality. Um, again, no disrespect meant to anybody who says that. But I would just yeah. encourage you to yeah. dig in deeper to the sacred texts to see that actually once you go a little layer down, that can't be true. God is either one or he is not. God either had a son or he did not. Um, and so world religions disagree on this. Uh, so we can't really say it's all the same. Okay, so sorry, a little, I'm sorry. I, I'm actually proud of myself that it's taken me six sessions to get off into apologetics. <laughs> I, do, I do love apologetics. Okay, okay, so anything else out of the Deuteronomy texts? Just the off-topic, well, not off-topic question, but like slightly specific question. Is anyone else like as unnerved as I am by Deuteronomy 28? Like I can't I despise <laughs> that passage. All right, well tell me tell favorite. me okay, you go you gotta go in. It's all super happy fun time until verse fifteen and then it's like Say more. sixty verses of like you're gonna eat your children. Like <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so what horrible. are wh- what do you want to say about that? I mean I mean what I wrote <laughs> I literally wrote ha 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 hate this passage. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the scariest passage in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I mean, the last thing I wrote was, I guess it's a warning of everything that will happen to the Israelites if they, oops, do pretty much exactly what they do in Kings. Yeah, but that's it. That's yeah. all you need to take yeah, away from for this right. particular conversation. It's all I need to, but it's it's one of those things where I kind of, it's like, it's 2.30 in the morning and I'm thinking about Deuteronomy 28. <laughs> like, why, why? I don't get it. Like, why is it like, I'll bless everything you do. And like... The fruit of your womb and like everything Mm -hmm. you put your effort into. But like if you don't, you're going to be sitting in secret eating your children Mm -hmm. and your placenta. Like what? Okay, so (laughs) it sounds kind of prosperity gospel. I know you said this is not prosperity gospel, but does any of that apply today? Define the prosperity gospel for me. Because you know, wherever we are on this segment, uh, it may be something someone's never heard of before. Right. As long as you obey, your life will be happy, healthy, wealthy. Material, yeah, material blessings gospel. are an actual outcropping of the level of your faith behavior. That you have. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. It does sound prosperity gospel. It plus does have that like element, and I know that that's not, not right. Not, not right. right. But does any of that carry over today? Mm-hmm. Say what you want to say there, because you already know the answer to your question. I know God doesn't promise us that our life will be happy, healthy, and wealthy. However, I do feel that there's a level of protection that he provides when you're walking with him. Let's say this. Let's see. Let's unpack it. 
So one of the things I keep saying, there's two things that I think we have to be sure. Are we, are we okay on time? Because we're going over a little bit, but I'm having a great time. You guys good to stay for a little bit? Good, good, yeah. good, good. Okay. First, um, I think it's Jen Hatmaker who says in one of her books, if it's not true of biblical truths, the litmus test is if it's not true for a single mom in a third world country, it's not true. And so we have to say, is it possible that a homeless person or a person who's in poverty could still be enjoying every benefit of a relationship with Christ? Is that possible? Yeah. Okay. Then we have to say that it's not promised that there's any real protection. In fact, Peter says, consider it all joy when you're suffering. And so, in fact, we're called in to share the sufferings of Christ. We're called, I would even say as Christians, we should be more willing to suffer than the average person. Right. I guess more what I should say, I should clarify it is not necessarily protection, but um, our obedience negates the consequence of sin yes. that we would have otherwise. That I agree with. If we were choosing the sinful nature over what we know is to be right and obedient to God's law, then obviously there will be a consequence. Mm -hmm. But I guess I look at it too as that's God's protection too, mm -hmm. where, you know, he makes the choice pretty... Yes. Uh, yeah, I want the protection or I want the no consequence. Thank you. I'll choose that. Yeah. Um, no global. So I guess it's, I shouldn't yeah, say it's eter The eternal life consequence, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess I would. Yeah, no, you, you're fine. You're fine. And I'm glad up. you said, yeah. So, so I'm sorry, finish what you were saying. Back it up. No, I, I well, back it up that and I'm not saying you're promised um, protection, I guess is what I shouldn't say. I would say you are avoiding the the negative consequence of s the choice of sin. Yeah, the ultimate consequence of yeah. sin. And we said earlier, some of the in this life consequences will happen. I could be completely forgiven of the sin of a crime that I committed, say I committed murder. I mean, certainly there are death row Christians. We believe that they're saved just the same as we are. That I still am going to be executed for the sin that I committed. There are still consequences in this life for sure. the sins that I commit. But the ultimate consequence of my eternal life is handled by what was done on the cross. So I think that's what, is that what you were going for? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I also think, you know, some of the sin and the consequences, like I think of David and you said, oh, we hate to talk about Bathsheba and that sin. But I mean, I kind of hate it, but I kind of love it because it reminds yes, me. Yeah. But, you know, in the end, his family is fractured. He loses a child. You know, there's a lot of things that are a result of that mm -hmm. sin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are the consequences. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean he wasn't a great king. Doesn't mean he didn't have a heart for God. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. And God restores relationship with him. When Nathan comes and David repents, the relationship is restored. Right. And that's the unconditional nature of what God's promising right. and the unconditional nature of what was done on the cross, that it's enough, right. that the sins that you 
do in your life are forgiven because of what Christ did on the cross. But there still will be in your day-to-day experiences, ups and downs based on the choices that you make. One of the things I'm thinking about when you're raising this right now is First John, which shows us a real circular, uh, John's a circular guy. So uh, John writes in a circular way, especially in First John, about trust and obey, trust and obey, trust and obey. And these things are dependent upon each other. My obedience is an outcropping of my trust, but my trust is an outcropping of my obedience. It's when I obey that I then can see God more clearly, which causes me to trust him more. It's when I trust him that I obey, which causes better consequences in my life. And I think that's what you're driving at, that this is how we work out our salvation, as Paul describes it, that we're, we're not really working our salvation, like you were talking about this, this business of works, mm-hmm. but we're, we're working out, um, let's put it this way, earlier in this se- series, we talked about the downward spiral of the, the cycle of judges, that they, were, they had sin and then... Uh, then re- then oppression and then uh, deliverance and then or, sorry repentance and then deliverance and then rest and then sin again and it was like this downward spiral because each time they came back to their sin it was actually lower and more heinous sin than the last time around well then if 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 we take that as a uh, object lesson and we flip it in first john each time we trust and obey we should be elevating it should be an upward spiral so that we're working out our salvation in a way that brings us closer and closer and closer to god right. does that make sense it does yeah yeah okay that was a lot yeah, but really qu- good my question was really just more like is anybody else as thrown off as i it's like one of those i've talked with the same campus fellowship minister that i mentioned earlier like I've he brought it up to a group of us and like I was like I'm really like wrestling with this right now like what in the world and I forget what we reached and I'm sure I'll remember it eventually but it's one of those things it's just like one of those passages like you're it's the same effect on me that you mentioned with you and judges before I was like what in the world like why is why (laughs) uh and like you have a why I guess but it's just like one of those things that in the bible for every you know, Matthew six thirty four and every like Psalm one thirty nine, there's that like, oh my goodness gracious, what mm-hmm. is this passage? Like it's terrifying. And so I'm just like, nobody ever, ever, ever talks about Deuteronomy twenty eight, but it's Let's talk about it, girl. It's this the is what we're talking about though. For me. But and listen, so I just wanted to know if anyone can, else thought but, the same. But I'd like to dispel help you dispel that fear and you're gonna have to go home and pray it through and do the work on your own because clearly you're really bothered by this. I'm not so much because to me, this, this reflects the blessing and curse that's all throughout the covenants and all throughout the old Testament and all throughout the prophecies. And it's just a, a more on the nose description of the blessing and curse. And we see actually you're leading me right out into, so I'm going to ask you to do that work. Looking back at Deuteronomy 28, when you go home or whatever, I'm glad you lifted it out. This is a scary and upsetting. Just, I mean, the front of it is great. We're comforted by the back of it is bad, (laughs) bad. And, but this is just another way that God lifts out the blessing and curse. Yeah. I see the the blessing and the curse. Like if, if that's like, I understand the passage and it's pretty much basically in its entirety. It's, it's a, a classic Old Testament wordy explanation of one concept, but but the concept like is rooted in the covenants, is what I'm saying. Yeah, to you. yeah. That the Mosaic covenant deals with blessing and curse, and even the Davidic covenant 
deals with blessing and curse. Yeah, that's well, that's kind of why I mentioned originally that this fell off topic to me because instead of talking about the covenants, I was asking about the level of unnervedness. Just because it's like I But I'm asking you, do you feel less unnerved when you see it in the context of what God is doing big picture? Not necessarily. <laughs> all right, then you're going to have to pray through that. <laughs> well, we got to yeah. move on. It's, yeah, <laughs> I come back to it all the time. Or like I, I come back to it, I solve it, and then like later I come back to it and I solve it. So it's probably just a circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I'm particularly unnerved by the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't like to read those difficult things. Um, but, but by understanding it in the b- big context that God has been on the throne from the beginning of time, none of this passed his notice. He knew it was all going to happen and it all works towards his ultimate purposes. That's where I find comfort. Uh, okay. So actually you're leading me right into the next passage of the homework, uh, which I want to just read out. Um, I just said the Mosaic and Davidic covenants share elements of blessing and curse, resulting in the conditions under which elements of the promise could be enjoyed. We see that promise executed throughout the book of Kings. When the king honored the covenant, both he and by extension, the people he ruled were blessed in the ways that God promised. And when the king dishonored the covenant, both he and by extension, the people he ruled were disciplined in the ways that God promised. And I put here a clear statement of penalty in Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 18, clear penalty in 2 Kings 24. So, and that's just one place you can track it. Go in and and dig it up for yourself. The king was always held accountable for the direction of Israel's affections. And that's why I used the word affections before, because we think about things that pull our affections away. And what worship is, at its core, is directing our affection, all of our affections to God. I'm always so thankful for how timeless and timely God's word is. Thanks again for joining us on this multi-series journey studying God's covenantal promises throughout the Old Testament. We are a weekly Bible study, just like you'll find at your local church. If you aren't in a study like this one, we encourage you to join one. Make sure that the church is teaching from the Bible in every situation. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, instructing them, Freely you have received, freely give. We take that command serious here at Study With Friends, so we have created tons of resources on our website that are all free for you to use. They're at studywithfriends.org. Much like the disciples who relied on the generosity of a host, we are 100% donor supported. If you have been particularly blessed by our ministry, would you consider making a donation? Monthly partners are especially helpful to us and no amount is too small. If you are willing to give it, we would be grateful and blessed to have it. You can donate on our website one time or become a monthly partner. That's at studywithfriends.org forward slash donate. We would love to connect with you and hear how your walk is going. We also love to get prayer requests from you. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you prefer, you can email us at info at studywithfriends.org. Remember, you can stream us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Plus, you can now see our studies on YouTube. No matter which way you choose, we hope that you will connect with us. For now, we hope you'll join us next time when we study with friends. Mm